This is the Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 117. We are in conversation with the author of When Memories Leave, Esther Julianne McDaniel. But you know, you have to get to the other side because your life and the lives of others are dependent on it. You get very focused. Hi, this is Dr. Pat Luce, creator of the Seven Systems Plan to help you get your health and life back. Dr. Brad Miller is here with Pathway to Promise podcast to help you overcome adversity, to find peace, prosperity, and purpose. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given, promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to the Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to the Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, where we are all about helping you to overcome adversity in your life to achieve your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. You can go to our website, pathwaypromise.com, to find lots of back episodes where we deal with various matters of drama and trauma, such as a death in the family or some debilitating disease or perhaps a divorce or or uh, some situation of maybe being in debt, terrible debt. And we've got people who can tell stories to help you get through those. In today's episode, we have a person who's had family dysfunction on some deep levels growing up and in her adult life, and also the drama of a traumatic brain injury. We are talking today with Esther G- Julianne McDaniel. She's the author of When Memories Leave, and she offers a process and a means by which people can deal with the family dynamics and family dysfunctions and also the drama and trauma of, a, of traumatic brain injury and to find a place and a methodology of healing and restoration. I think uh, this is a very important topic to, for us to deal with. Memory loss are uh, underserved in the sense of uh, we do not have enough tools and means and methodologies and and resources in order to help caregivers especially to deal with these folks who have these dramas and these traumas. I know in my life I have a, a son who deal, is a hospice worker and he deals with this uh, memory loss issues quite often as I do as a pastor of a church. And uh, the people who are caregivers are often the people who are uh, in great need of some resources and some care and concern themselves. Uh, Esther Julianne again give, gives us some resources here to work with. I think you're going to love this conversation we have here in our conversation today with Esther Julianne McDaniels, McDaniel, the author of When Memories Leave. Let's get into the interview right now. People encounter all kinds of adversities in their life, and our author today, Esther Julianne McDaniel, has had more than her share of events in her life that have been dramatic and traumatic. And she has a book that helps us to deal with dysfunctional past that has caused us to have 
Lapses Are Hurt in Our Memories. Her book is called When Memories Leave. Our author guest today, Esther Julianne McDaniel. Esther, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It is awesome to have you here today, Esther. And I just mentioned in our, our introduction about how you had some dramatic and traumatic things happen in your life, which have led to you to a place where you have had to find your pathway in some, maybe some ways that are uh, different than for some uh, folks otherwise have had to do in their life. And let's just start by telling, sharing a little bit about the kind of the impetus of the, of your book and some of the things you've had in your life about some of the struggles you had in your family life and which led to a tragic circumstance and just unpack your story a little bit, please. Sure. Um, my story began before I was even born. We had a very dysfunctional family and it really impacted my older siblings. By the time I was born, my siblings were already traumatized and clung to me pretty good. So I was like the baby of the family, well cared for initially. Dysfunction that my family had spilled over to me and my younger siblings when they came along and my parents eventually divorced. My mother then married a man led to sexual abuse in the home. So I was pretty traumatized by the time I was a teenager, very introverted. I didn't trust anybody. A lot of um, counseling sessions occurred to help me get over it. But I really didn't start coming out of my shell until years later. And the impact that these things had on me, even though I had all this counseling, affected my home life with my own children because I then, I was so untrustworthy of the world that I, 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 I clung to making sure that my children did not experience the things of the world and, and tried my best to keep them from experiencing anything traumatic themselves. And it, and it didn't work. Hmm. You were over-controlling of them? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, that, that is exactly right. Mm-hmm. And it manifested itself in some ways that apparently were unhealthy. That's, that's correct, for sure. Um, I, I was a very controlling parent because I thought I was doing what was best to keep my children from going through what I went through. At the same time, you had a challenging marriage, I understand? More than one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I've been married more often than I care to count because I am not in a contest with Liz Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't go in there, but that's awesome. But uh, so you had some relationships with uh, your husbands have been you know, they've been a challenge for you. You've had a challenging relationship with your, with your kids and with your parents growing up. So this whole dysfunctional family thing has been a part of your experience. And, and then you also had a physical situation happen in a, in a car wreck, which had kind of made things even worse, didn't they? So, so let, let's go there for a second. I'm just trying to say you've had the relationship issues and now you have to deal with a brain situation. Yeah. So tell us about that a little bit. I was involved in a single car car accident. The car hydroplaned in the rain and hit the cement barrier barrier on the highway. 
and totaled the car. He walked away with no injuries and he was the driver, but I guess because he saw it coming and knew how to maneuver his body, he, he was fine. Me, on the other hand. And he is um, your husband at the time. He is your husband. actually an ex-husband borrowing my car, taking me to work um, because his car had broke down. I walked away from that accident, but I had no memories. I knew I had children. That was it. I didn't know my name. I didn't know where my children were. I didn't know how many children, who they were. I knew nothing other than I had children. So you had a traumatic brain head injury of some sort? Is that what happened? Yes. We we don't know how it happened. We just know that it happened in the car accident. Okay. Um, I could have hit my head on the side window. I have a memory of being out of my body and looking at my body strapped in the seat and my head was shaking back and forth. Hmm. And okay. so it has been suspected that somehow I had a seizure during the accident that caused this. But what caused the seizure could have been the whiplash. It, it could have been, it could have been anything, but none of the windows were broken. I, I don't know what I hit my head again. And did you have like a cut head, this type of thing? Nothing. Hmm. Wow. Wow. But still you had the reality of a brain injury or loss of memory, this type of thing. And how did that, you said you had very little memory. How did that manifest itself in terms of how you lived, lived your life at that point? I basically lived in fear. I was so afraid that the kids would be taken from me because I was a single parent. And while I had this experience in the car, I knew that my children were better off with me than without me. And so I made sure I went home to them, but I got home and I didn't know who they were. And I didn't want anybody to take the kids because I knew they were better off with me. So I didn't tell anybody. I clammed up, but it wouldn't have mattered. I didn't have any vocabulary to tell anybody anyway. (laughs) I'm curious about how old were your kids at the time and how this impact your actual day-to-day interactions with your kids? So my youngest was eight and my oldest was newly adult, but she was not living with me. So she didn't know what was going on. The oldest in the house, I think was about 14. My family and I were estranged because of the past. And so nobody knew what was going on. It was just me and the kids and the kids really didn't know how to help me or, you know, what was going on. So our household had a whole new kind of chaos and dysfunction that was totally unrelated to the past because, you know, now the past is wiped away. It's not even an issue. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, I hate to laugh, but it's almost like a situation that is ridiculous in a, in a sense. And, and yet, so you, but you still had to live your life. You still had to function, didn't you? You had to still make it happen. So what are some of the things that you did to get through all this? Because obviously you're a better place now. And I'm interested now, Astrid did, what, what are some of the actions you took? What are you things you did in your life at that moment or through other things you happened to help you take action to come out of all this? When you're in a situation that you have no control over, 
but you know you have to get to the other side because your life and the lives of others are dependent on it, you get very focused. And so my focus was on relearning everything I needed to know in order to support myself and my children. Wow. Give me an example of one of the things you had to relearn. Driving. Okay. Um, sewing. Cooking. Um, I did not know what a bank was until I received a um, message in the mail that said my mortgage payment had bounced. I didn't even know what a mortgage payment was. <laughs> Some really basic stuff you had to relearn. Yes. And do you have anybody to help you through this process? Initially, no. Um, I did meet um, a gentleman uh, twice. Once was before the accident and once was after the accident. And the, I remember the, ac the one after the accident clearly. And so I was having a yard sale to get some money and he showed up and bought some items. And we ended up becoming friends. And two years later, we married. He was my rock and my first successful relationship. So you, you had to relearn all these things. You now have a relationship that's helpful to get you through these things. I'm interested if you had any sense of, uh, of a, I'm a big believer, Esther, that in order for people to have true healing and wholeness in their life, they have to do the physical things to get healthy and they have to have good relationships. But they also need to draw on some sort of a higher or spiritual power. I just wonder if this was a part of your healing process at all to have call upon some higher power or spirituality or religion or anything along that line. If so, uh, share that with us a little bit. Prior to the accident, I was going to bed at night, every night, praying and calling to the Lord to take away my memories that were keeping me from moving forward. I had no clue I was actually asking for that car accident. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Now, after the car accident, because it wiped all my memories away, my level of belief and faith wasn't there like it was prior to the accident. And so it took many years of walking around beliefless and faithless to spend that time relearning before I finally got to a point where I could start even looking at the spiritual world and trying to figure out where I fit in. And so what I found is that there's an entity, an, an intelligent entity that has created everything we see, hear, touch, smell, and it's done this for a purpose. And the purpose is so that we can learn from them and we need to learn from them so that we can continue with the calling, the thing that we've been called to do with our lives. Putting all of this together is really eye-opening and awakening because it's, it's got a whole different feel than what I can remember my belief system was like prior to the accident. Mm -hmm. So you had to rebuild your faith life as well as everything else, didn't you? Yes, for sure. You had kind of, in a way, Esther, a unique human experience compared to a lot of folks and that you had this accident which took away your memory yes it's tragic and it's in many ways horrendous but it also gave you some new opportunities to 
rebuild things in a different way, didn't it? It it sure did. It sure did. Um, going back to the dysfunctional life I had, when I was 11, one of the people that were helping me during that time period told me I need, well, several people told me I needed to write a book. About the fourth person in, I finally asked why. I'm 11. I don't want to write about what happened to me. You know, it's one thing to talk to one person one-on-one. It's another thing to let the world know. No, I'm not going there. I was 14 and I'm crying every night in my room. Why God? Why? And every night for several weeks, I heard the same answer because someday I'm going to help others going through the same thing. So I've always known that this would turn into a life where I would be helping others. I couldn't see the how or the when because it just seemed to go on and on. And then when the accident happened and it took away those memories, I, I and I had to relearn, I knew it wasn't coming then. So this has just been a long time coming. It's only been recently, in, in the last few years, I finally got the book written. Um, and actually the 11 year old story isn't in this book. It's, it's, this is a series that I'm writing and it comes in a later book. The realization on how all of my experiences will help others would not, my, my ability to help others would not happen if I had not had the amnesia and been able to overcome it because it really ruled my life in a way that it, it, like, like a person coming out of war where the PTSD is just plays over and over in their head. That was me. Wow. And, and it would not have transformed my life. Mm-hmm. So the, the the book is when memories leave, and it's a part of a series, as you mentioned. And it's interesting to me that you actually had the beginnings of this book as a, you said, an eleven year old and a fourteen year old. This is where that kind of began. What gave you the opportunity, or the impetus, or the push to really go for it and to get it done? And you mentioned it kind of in passing, but I'd really be interested in. And your who you have in mind for this book? Who's your target? Who do you want this book to really speak to, and kind of in a more of a detailed way? So, when memories leave, I wrote it from my car accident to present day. The majority of people that I wrote it for are caregivers, people that take care of others with a brain injury, amnesia, or some other type of memory issue, like. Alzheimer's. Because caregivers do not really understand what's going on with the person, what they're thinking, what they're experiencing, whether or not they're actually there, whether or not they can actually think about what they're being spoken to about. This can interfere with helping who you're caring for because they might want one thing and you might want another or think you know what they want, but you don't, giving them a good understanding. And then because the whole time period was riddled with dysfunction, my other set of readers are people that have gone through some type of a trauma or tragedy and have family issues because I want them to know that things will get better. It might take time, but they do get better. And I, I'm, I'm, giving hope to all of my readers. So it seems like this is 
not just your story only, but it it should have some practical application to people who are finding themselves in somewhat similar circumstances, at least as, as caregivers. And and I'd be interested in what are some of those practical applications that people are gleaning out of your book. So I just wrote an article called The Number One Caregiver Tip um, just the other day, and, and it's on my website in my blog area. And in it, I talk about how important it is to ask simple questions. Most caregivers, uh, especially trained caregivers, are taught to ask open-ended questions. But when you have memory issues, memory issues can impact your vocabulary level. And people with memory issues might not have the vocabulary or the wherewithal to answer an open-ended question. So the best thing to do is to ask questions in which the person you're speaking to can answer a simple yes or no. And if they you can even ask them, did you understand what I'm saying? And if not, you can ask them, can you tell me what you didn't understand? And, and they might not be able to tell you, but at least you know that they don't understand the words and you can take the time to explain the words you're using. It rebuilds their vocabulary. It really gets you to a point where you can understand what it is that they're needing or wanting, and then everybody's satisfied. Without these tips, they get very frustrated. I got very frustrated because people didn't understand me and I did not have the wherewithal or the vocabulary to express what was going on. You know, this is such a need really Esther right now. I, I, I'm a pastor for church and I've worked with my share of people who have had memory issues, Alzheimer's and so on. It is extremely frustrating for a lot of the caregivers, especially if there's anyone who has any sensitivity about not being as patient as they need to be, or sometimes just simply, slowing down their speech patterns and things like that, which can be, uh, can be done if we choose to, but it is a prevalent, this issue of memory loss, not necessarily, you know, you had an accident, of course, but other people have it for other reasons. And are you finding that there's a real need out there for some practical application to people who are dealing with memory uh, issues? Are you finding this in your experience? Oh, for sure. We have a huge population of, people with head injuries. I forget what the percentage is. I know that the, I remember that the percentage of people with disabilities is like close to 18% of our population. And there's a huge number of that that have some type of uh, brain injury. And these are the ones that are documented. And so very much needed. And then the other thing to take into consideration is that as the baby boomers are aging, we're going to have more people with memory loss. So there's a lot of family members whose parents are aging that they are going through this and experience this, and they don't know how to help. I know it's a real issue. I have a 25-year-old son who is a hospice worker, and he runs into this quite a bit, and uh, and it's a, a factor that's out there. But I'm also interested in how I'm what I'm what I'm all about and what our podcast is all about is life transformation helping people to overcome adversity and this is certainly you know a traumatic traumatic uh, adverse c- condition and I got a feeling that your work has been helpful to people your articles and your books and I'm curious uh, Esther if you've heard from anyone who who's responded to your work and has said that 
uh, a thank you or just told you a story about how your work has been able to be helpful to someone. And and uh, if so, can you share a little bit about that? So um, I have a friend from high school who, you know, lives in the state I was living in at the time that I graduated. And she deals with disabilities every day. And so I knew she she's around people that have these things. And I just sent her the article. And she commented on my blog that uh, she was so thankful I gave it to her because she's in the in that position. You know, she's the one with memory issues. She realized how much that information would help her. And she said she was going to forward it to her husband so that he could use it. Definitely share. Yeah, it's personal because it's somebody you went to high school with as well. And that's even more so. So, but then now you have, you're also reaching out through your book, but also you've developed a course that is intended to be helpful to people who are dealing with things such as this. Tell us a little bit about the course that you've created called Creator. And tell us what about how that can be, uh, what that is all about and how that could be helpful to people. Creator is actually an acronym and it stands for Create Restoration Using Energy and Action to Triumph Over Ruin. And when you're dealing with disabilities that you weren't born with, because the ones that are born with disabilities have learned to adapt. When you have a disability that happens later, you're suddenly realizing you're not who you were. You don't know who you are. You have a lot of um, adjustments to make. It's a ruin. You feel like it's ruined your life initially, and you, you have a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Also, when you're dealing with dysfunctions, whether at home, school, or work, it creates the same issues, stress, anxiety, and depression. The course is all about teaching people how to accept yourself, where you're at, and the tools that you need in order to overcome and make this transition from surviving to thriving. And how this came about is um, my current relationship is with my ex-husband. We're living together as roommates. We would not be able to do this if we had not put these things into practice. And I had spent many, many years just crying out in prayer and meditation and researching, trying to figure things out. And I tried different things and for a long time, nothing worked. But then things started to work and change and I started to see a difference. We still divorced because the changes had not come soon enough. And we actually get along real well as roommates. When I was at a conference back in um, October, I'm sitting there thinking, I I'm, I'm want to walk away knowing what my next step is. And I went there with an open mind and ready to just receive word from the Holy Spirit. And it, in bits and pieces, came to me. And I'm taking notes. And these are all things that had happened in my most recent relationship. And after the conference, I took all these notes and I put them together and I suddenly saw this big picture and realized that this was a course. Most of this 
are bits and pieces that we know about, that we talk about. When I returned and I did research, nobody's put these puzzle pieces together. One of the, one of the keys is communication. And you can Google communication. You can find a lot of information about communication. But communication is like a car tire that's not attached to a car. You, you can go somewhere if you get inside of it and you roll down the road. Um, but you do much better when it's attached to the remainder of the parts and you okay. get to go somewhere. That's starting to put the puzzle pieces together, as it were, right? Yes. And so my course takes all of the, diff the different pieces, tells you how they're related to each other so that you get your aha moment and then you can start applying these to your life and move forward. And it helps people then, in turn, as your course says, to triumph over ruin, right? We're trying to For put sure. people try to put people's lives back together, which is exactly what we're trying to do here at the Pathway to Promise, which is help people. You've had some adverse condition happen to them and put their lives together and come out to a, a better place. And you certainly have do. You're working hard at this, Esther, and in an area that is extremely challenging uh, with memory loss and so on. And your book is when memories leave and you got the creator course and Esther, if people want to be in contact with you and how can they get your book and how can they connect it with you about your course and other ways that you can be helpful to people. My book is available um, worldwide at your local favorite bookstore or at Amazon. Take your pick. It's up to you. You can find me at author. I think it's author Esther Julianne. And you could even go to my website, efficientlyodd.com. And on there, if you click on contact, you'll find a form to send me an email. So there's a variety of ways to find me. And we'll put uh, connections to all that on our show notes on at pathwayofpromise.com. And you're a fascinating person, Esther. You really are. Esther Julian McDaniel, because you're dealing with an area that I just believe is underserved, underserved with the folks who have, memory loss and the caregivers of those folks. I just know my own experience. I've seen it as an extremely frustrating thing for a lot of folks. I think it's both frustrating for the caregiver and for, you know, the one who's had the memory loss. If there's anything we can do to be helpful to that, you're certainly giving us some helpful tools and, and measures to do this. And I just thank you for your work. I just want to thank you for going into this area which is so underserved and doing so by being vulnerable yourself out of your own pain and your own experiences out of your own dysfunction you're making something very functional and very applicable so way to go very very pertinent and helpful conversation today about the matter of memory loss dysfunctions in families and methodologies to help caregivers have the tools and resources to help uh, deal with folks who have memory loss. Esther Julianne McDaniel, we thank you for your contribution and your conversation we had here today. And I hope that you had some great takeaways from the conversation that we had, uh, particularly about the, the, the need that is in this area and talking about the course that she offers, which is the... Um, creating restoration using energy and action to triumph over ruin, the creator course. Some good, uh, some good things there. You know that she, uh, she blogs and has all her resources at efficientlyodd.com, Esther Julianne McDaniel. We here at the 
at the Power Promise Podcast. We're here to be helpful to you as well. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. I have years of ministry experience and uh, education in the area of life transformation. We want to be helpful to you. We want to be. Check out our website, pathwayofpromise.com, for back episodes of the podcast. We talk to folks who have been helpful to help people transition and transform their lives, overcoming adversity to achieve their promised life of peace and prosperity and purpose. That's our program for today, friends. Tune in again next time on the Path on the Power of Promise podcast. Until then, we encourage you to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.